Welcome to the Carveline Tech Service Podcast, the go-to industrial coatings podcast. Here are your hosts, Jack Walker and Paula Jamis. All right, here we are again on another edition of the Carboline Tech Service Podcast. I'm Jack Walker. Down below me, see it's easy when he's down there, is Paula Jamis. Hey, Paul, how's it going? Good, Jack. But in my screen, I am beside you. Oh, well, mine's the one that matters. So uh, <laughs> we also have Dan Barabalt, our senior tech service engineer. How's it going, Dan? It's all good. I'm glad uh, I'm somewhere on the screen. Yeah, that's great. I like to bring Dan in on this conversation because Dan is uh, kind of known as uh, the Carboline cookout guy. You know, he is the guy who cooks. So last week I got a hummus recipe from the Greek uh, Jameis household <laughs> and I am down a blender. After making said hummus. Oh, yeah. You got to have a powerful blender for that one. <laughs> I was going at it and I uh, started to smell that burnt rubber. I looked at my wife and I went, you want a new one of these anyway, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. We, we use one of the big, the Ninja, I think is what it is with the mm. blades all the way up and down the middle on a spiral. Yeah. Yeah. I also didn't do it any favors. I did about half of the tahini and olive oil that was required. I misread the uh, shorthand. Kate understood it right away and was like, what are you doing? But uh, yeah. So yeah. Uh, we need a blender at the Walker household. What's the really expensive ones? I hear that's in my future. Yeah, I, but, we uh, use a Ninja and it, it works really well. We've used it for a few years. No, the uh, Vitamix, the Vitamix. Yep. Right. The yeah. Juice Master is a version of a Vitamix. Yep. Really what it is, you need to be able to treat the chickpeas similar to how we do abrasive blasting. The speed <laughs> and the strength and the power are important when you're doing abrasive blasting. How's that for a segue? That's a pretty good segue. And so we might as well get into it. So Dan, again, brought to our attention. And once again, if you bring it to our attention, that means you're going to come on the show. It's uh, you so, volunteering. Yeah. Yep. Brand new in December of 2020. SSPC released the surface preparation standard number 18. And what that is, is a thorough spot and sweet blast cleaning for industrial coating maintenance. So Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what this standard is? The standard is deals with in the field, basically, as far as uh, whether it's structural steel or, or tanks, miscellaneous vessels, bins, whatever, of steel substrate manner. And it deals with preparing surfaces that are a combination of an existing coating. Take like an epoxy coating that's gone beyond its recoat window or a shop primer per se that needs some cleaning other than just to take it to the car wash and SP1 pre-cleaning. But, and also having bare metal areas, either just never coated period or weld seams or burn or mechanical damage where you do have rust. So you're talking about a combination of an existing coating, fairly newly applied in good shape per se, but not aged, but we'll get to that, addressing that and or bare metal spots also. So kind of like a tank that has uh, been shop primed and field fabricated and welded. And now you got to do something about it. And the SP18 standard eliminates having to reference multiple standards, like an SP10 and an SP7. This is already built in, ready to go for that manner. So that kind of leads us to the next question. How does this standard differ? 
from what's required in an SP-10 or an SP-7? So an SP-10 obviously is going to be the required standard to reference for all your bare metal and or any rust spots. And the sweet blast part, as far as SP-18 goes, is somewhat different from an SP-7 in that an SP-7 just says you're going to whip or sweep or brush off, but this standard actually requires that you create a dense, consistent profile in the surface of that existing coating. And obviously, if there's anything that's partial or non-adherent, you're going to have to make sure it feather edges back to tight in addition to abrading and roughening densely and consistently that existing coating. So that really is an important point to emphasize is a dense anchor profile is what's required for any good coating system, especially in severe services when we're talking about uh, whether it be immersion service or just severe atmospheres. That anchor profile, which is not always specified in the standard surface prep standards. Yeah. And one of the things that you kind of brought up there in that last paragraph uh, that you were talking about is is something that I think another differentiating uh, factor that we need to make is that we are all very familiar with uh, the SSP-7 brush-off blasting that is commonly referred to as sweet blasting. But in this standard, sweet blasting kind of takes on a little bit of a different meth meaning, Dan. You want to touch on that? Exactly. This standard SP-18 definitely calls for a dense, consistent abrading or roughening of that existing coating surface. But an SP-7 brush-off or sweet blast does not refer to requirements of a profile or a roughening or a braiding unless it's specified in the, additionally in the contract documents. And I think it was also referred to the technique as well, that it had more to do with the motion uh, that you were moving the blaster as opposed to uh, the function that you were performing. Point taken in that, yeah, the SP-7 is just a width or a quick sweep, whereas you're, you're going to concentrate more so when doing an, an SP-18. So, Dan, why don't you tell us a little bit about what it tells us to do before we get into the actual blasting process here. As with any abrasive blasting or surface preparation standard, obviously all all your surfaces are going to have to be SP1 clean, free of all dirt, grease, oil, and any other contaminants. You you have to do that first so that you're not driving anything visible or possibly non-visible into the surface of the existing coating, nor into the bare metal uh, areas. As far as non-visible contaminants goes, that would be necessary on the contract documents. Your non-visible contaminants are not addressed in the SP-18 standard. The SP-18 standard is limited to your requirements for visual surface contaminants only. When you do that, now we've pre-treated our surface and there are a couple different methods that it talks about in the standard as to how to perform this thorough blast cleaning with the combination of sweet blast cleaning. So obviously you would have your regular abrasive, but there was also some substitutions talked about as well, right, Dan? Indeed. There you reference in section six about uh, cleaning operations that you can reference either of dry abrasive blast cleaning, your standard pressed air blast nozzles and abrasive, or dry abrasive blasting, use closed cycle or vacuum blast with or without the vacuum though. And third, the uh, dry abrasive blasting using a mobile closed cycle recirculating, much like a blast track uh, machine. But also, in section six, besides dry abrasive blasting, there is a reference in section 6.3 about substituting wet abrasive blasting. And 
Therefore, the bare metal areas, though, are still going to have to be required to meet the requirements of SSPC SP10 as far as SP10 WAB. And that if you have a significant or visible amount of, you know, beyond light flash rust, then you have to basically look at other methods to remove that flash rust because that's not an acceptable result when you're referencing an SSPC SP10 or NACE number two blast cleaning standard. All right, Paul, we're going to talk a little bit about the Simstone System Selector Guide. This is a brand new document brought to you by Carboline to help you better navigate our secondary containment line. Paul, why don't you tell them a little bit about this guide? Yeah, so one of the really nice things about this guide is just how interactive it is. This guide goes and breaks down on dozens and dozens of different common chemicals that you're going to see in the industrial spaces. And it lets you know, are you talking about foot traffic? Do you have forklift traffic? Is this a truck loading zone? And it breaks down each system by what kind of traffic can it tolerate? What kind of system do you have to install? And the interactive part is when you go to the website and you go to the marketing page and you download this document, it's interactive to the point where you click on the button and it opens up the system information sheet for that product. So it will tell you about the full aggregate filled coating system or a neat coat system if it's a neat or a fabric reinforced system. Every one of those are linked right there to it. So there's no guessing. There's no hunting around. You don't have to know how to maneuver the website. Just click on that and it takes you right to the sheet that gives a description of what coatings are needed and how to order and generally install that system. Yeah. So if you're a specifier and you're out there and you're working on secondary containment systems, you should use this guide as it'll give you everything you need to know to write a secondary containment specification. That's the Simstone Selector Guide by Carboline at www.carboline.com. So it really is comprehensive and it actually carries all the way through to, why don't you tell us a little bit about what we're supposed to be doing or what the standard includes for after the follow-through of the spot cleaning or the sweep blasting, what are the procedures that it recommends? Well, obviously, number one, you're going to have to remove your blast cleaning media. And, it, and that's simply done if, if you're using dry methods, either blow down with clean, dry, compressed air uh, or vacuum cleaning or uh, using a dry bristle brush or a whisk broom or otherwise to make sure that you comply with the SP1 you know, standard, again, about pre-cleaning. You need to be SP1 compliant after your surface prep, after your abrasive blasting and just prior to applying your, your field applied coating and primer. The, uh, again, all your certain existing coating needs to be in clean, dry condition, no cracks, no peeling, no delaminating edges, feathered tightly. Again, if there's a question about that, you're going to use a belt putty knife to make sure that it's not removable in that sense with regards to your edges of your existing coating. And that really is an important distinction that the standard goes in, into pretty good detail in the appendix of this standard. So the standard itself is a pretty neat, it's, you know, three, four pages for the standard, but then you've got another three pages of appendix information for all those supplemental things, how to deal with non-visible contaminants, how to prepare the edges of the existing coating that's going to remain. It really goes into a lot of these different steps and is a very comprehensive standard that is able to give a full 
description of how you treat an existing coating when you're doing these spot blasting and then a full sweep blast. Yeah. So let's kind of talk about that first. So you can refer back to the episode where we talked about SSPC SP17, because we kind of beat up the non-visible contaminants pretty <laughs> hard in that episode. Yeah. Uh, it's not any different. It's basically the same requirements for that episode in this standard. Why don't we talk a little bit about this standard in the appendix goes pretty deep into how to judge the existing coding to determine whether or not this standard is applicable. So as far as the appendix, that I believe appendix uh, section A3 about existing coding considerations. Yeah, The intention here is to abrade the existing coding with significant abrasive impact. And that's where, again, you're different from an SSPC SP7. A brush or a brush off blast number one. So you're going to remove anything basically that is partial or non-adherent when it comes to that existing coating. And if there is in trying to feather edge the boundaries of the existing coating, if it just flies off or is too brittle, then the SP18 standard calls for removing that partial or questionable or non-adherent coating until you basically have gotten back to sound tightly adherent coding, okay? Now, the as far as evaluating the retained coding, obviously the color of a thoroughly sweet blasted coating would normally be lighter if it's not a, you know, primer or existing coating surface. As far as color goes, it should be lightened or you should definitely, if it's not a flat matte finish, if it's eggshell or higher uh, gloss, you should basically see no gloss remaining whatsoever on the surface of the existing coating. Obviously, the last but not least, you know, specifier can, can mention additional cleanliness as far as ISO 8502 or the 8503 about uh, amount of surface dust or smut or whatever we want to call it prior to as a, as a final cleanliness method before you apply your field applied coating. I think that covers the gamut on that one as far as considerations of the existing coding. Sure. Then the next thing that we kind of want to take a look at is there is a part in the appendix about using corrosion inhibitors during your blasting of the substrate. Why don't you talk a little bit about the use of corrosion inhibitors, Dan? Well, in the uh, industrial coatings world, rust inhibitors or passivators, as we call them, are intended to prevent early onset oxidation or corrosion of your prepared uh, metal surface, whether that be carbon steel. Also, you could be add considerations, again, it, you know, to oxides formation on anything non-ferrous, but that's not the, the, the gist of this standard. This standard, again, is dealing with carbon steel. But if you're looking at an atmospheric weathering coating, meaning above ground, uh, non-immersion, not to be insulated, most vendors will allow a passivator to be used, uh, number one, whether you're dry abrasive blasting or if you're wet abrasive blasting for this standard to basically prevent flash rust and, and to get a, the bare metal spots coated, obviously before there's any turning or oxidation. The last thing is, is that uh, with Carboline, uh, we're specific with regards to types of coatings that can be applied on non-immersion rust passivated 
prepared steel surfaces, and that would be that the binder or vehicle of the coating be used be organic and stay away from inorganics like inorganic zinc or high temperature silicones for that, those bare metal surfaces that a passivator is used. So essentially, if it's high temperature steel, you'd have to look at the temperature range of the operating system once it's in service, whether or not if a silicone or an in, inorganic type binder product is to be used, that may negate the use of a passivator or a rust inhibitor. And that is an important distinction. And the standard does a good job. The last sentence in that says, coating manufacturers should be consulted before you use any of these services. And that's really an important distinction that they, and they put it in there to say, consult with the coating manufacturer before you do anything like this. Absolutely. So kind of sum it all up. When you look at the SSPC surface preparation standard number 18, this is for surfaces that you are going to repaint that have spots down to bare metal and a good sound existing coating. So what you're going to do is SP10 or near white metal blast those spot areas where you're down to bare metal and then you're going to put in a uh, anchor profile within that existing coating and all of this promotes good adhesion of your top coat or your overcoat and uh, it's significantly better than any of the prep standards that we had before because like Dan said earlier in the episode gives you everything all in one standard so it makes it easier for specifiers to just come out and say for an overcoat or maintenance system that they want a good SP uh, 18 or surface preparation standard 18 surface prep so guys uh, Dan thank you very much for coming on I enjoyed thank and, you Dan uh, for Paul, I'm Jack, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. And so, for the Carboline Tech Service Podcast, I'm Paul. And I'm Jack. And we'd, we'd like, like to, to thank, thank you for your support. Who put the line in Carboline? Who put the line in Carboline? No matter where I go, they don't know what I mean. I say Carboline, but they say Carboline.